Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to the 15th episode of the Wang Bang Podcast, a special Warrior Wang Bang Wednesday, where I talk basketball with my good friend, the Genio James Liao. How's it going, what's man? What's good? What's good? Hey, I'll tell you what's good. The Golden State Warriors are sitting on a record of 11-3. and Now, before we get into any of the specifics... Let's talk about our uh, potentially reckless Las Vegas bet that you and I went down on. I, Please explain, I, I'm James. Not, at the time, I still think it's a good bet, and look was looking pretty good. So basically, we uh, had a friendly wager on the uh, over-under number of wins for the Warriors. And before the season started, Vegas had them at – 67.5. So for those of you who are responsible people and don't gamble, that basically means that in order for us, you have two options. You you take the over on the bet, then that means you are betting the Warriors win 68 games or more. And if you take the under, then you're betting that they win 67 games or less. And we took the under. Right. And you and I, you and I talked extensively about this, and we thought that it was – that was a hands down slam dunk easy bet. Warriors win. You know, we 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 forecasted the Warriors winning. You know, somewhere in the range of the low sixties. Like we didn't think that, you know, the Warriors were even going to be trying that hard this season. But you know, talking it over to you know talking it over with some of our friends and listening to some you know some other podcast. Like everybody has the Warriors winning seventy easily, which which I think is is absurd. Yeah, I mean, 70, I always thought was pretty much a stretch. I mean, you only have two teams that's ever done that. So I just, I don't see why a team that's so focused on resting and so focused on, you know, basically the fourth straight finals that they potentially could make would try to make a run at 70 wins, which would basically mean playing starters and stuff, regular minutes and not really getting enough rest. And I just don't see Kerr in the front office really doing that you know we're playing a long game right. here and there's no reason i mean as long as you secure the number one c that's all that matters so if the second best record is like 60 wins or anything less then all you really need is 62 to seal it right right and you know with the, the expectation is that your or the understanding is that the warriors are going to run away with you know run away with the number one seed easily and you know, obviously the Western Conference stacked. Teams are going to beat each other up, but even the Eastern Conference. You know, going into the season, the number one and the number two teams. Um, you know, the Celtics and the Cavaliers. Both of them were only projected to win. I think, you know, fifty, fifty-five, yeah, fifty-six mid, mid, wins mid, mid, tops, mid, right? 50s, yeah. Right, right. So that would that would be the only real motivator for the Warriors to to have to you know try a little harder and kind of stay ahead of the game. But I mean. Even then, like there, there's there's no reason and there's no real motivator for us to have to force ourselves to win more than 67 wins. But hey, you know, a- after a start of you know the Warriors being at what it was like th- two and three, or was it was it three and three or four and three, something like that. You know, the Warriors have won seven straight. Granted, you know, I would say the majority of those games have been at home. Um, so. Now is kind of the real test where we hit the road and we go on this East Coast road trip, uh, starting against a very, very good Boston Celtics team. So, 
Um, it, let, we'll get into the Celtics soon, but let, let's start with the Warriors because I I think the Warriors aren't perfect. You know, they still have a lot of things that they have to work on. Obviously, we you know had the slow start, which is kind of expected. You know, a lot of you know the early starts of the season. I think there were some people thrown off by that. So um, now that we're kind of kicked into the regular season, we're about a month in. I think we're seeing the Warriors kind of get into the, the game shape and like kind of start getting familiar with some of the new players, and you can kind of see that translating. I think we've won a number of games by double digits now. I, I don't think, I mean, Steph has played in like maybe one fourth quarter in the last like five games. Like I can't even remember. So we're blowing teams out. So this is kind of where we're getting back to kind of last year and the year before, the kind of level that we're playing at, so... Yeah, yeah. Up until yesterday's game against the Magic, before that we had won six games by uh, a minimum of seventeen points, which is, I think, historic and absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Steph didn't play yesterday against the Magic because of the thigh contusion. Uh, Sean Livingston started and fit in seamlessly. I mean, I gotta say that you know these guys have definitely you know hit some kind of stride, but they still have a couple things to work on. Um, you know, part of it might be the, the shortened training camp, uh, as well as that, that trip that they had to make to China. That's got to throw people's, uh, bodies off and, you know, their, their practice schedules off. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is, is it's the turnovers, man. I mean, they've, you know, they've had games where they've turned the ball over something absurd, like 26 times. Like that's, that's like, you know, that, that's like 1997 Warriors stuff, you know? I don't even know if we were even really that bad because there was, the, there's a lot more passes now uh, than it was back then. So mm-hmm. I don't even know if we got 26 turnovers, to be honest. I mean, we just sucked. We just couldn't make shots back then. You know, when you had John right. Starks, Mookie, playoff shooting threes, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess when you're one, when you're playing a lot of one on one ball, you're exactly. not turning the ball over. You're just missing shots. But I mean, That's like true. this year, we we had those. We kind of woke up from some of those like crazy games, and you know, I think for us turnovers. Um, I think right now we are at um, seventeen and a half turnovers, so that's still near the bottom of the league. Um, so ideally, you want to still clean that up. But I mean, the twenty six. Turnover is obviously an outlier. So, I mean, that's still, I think that's something that we're always going to have trouble with, just being able to keep the turnovers down. I mean, you have a lot of high risk players with like Steph and how he passes. Draymond's a high risk passer. So, like, there's so many like players on the team that could potentially um, get themselves uh, into high turnover games. But really, it's about don't do any of the silly turnovers because you know the risky passes and stuff like that. That's part of our identity. But what you want to clean up on is stuff that you can control a lot more. Right, right. Like those stupid football passes that exactly. Draymond's like been dumb. trying. And... Like, there's no reason to pass it up like that, and it's just like you're forcing it. And then another one is like, you know, these stupid travels and like, you know, offensive fouls and stuff. You're just like, geez, you can't have those. Like those are whatever because, I mean, those are the ones that you want to avoid. But like it's just we, we have a lot of high-risk passers, so you already know the pa- the turnovers are going to be there. So there's other areas where you want to try to make sure that the turnovers are kept down. Otherwise, it's just going to go out of control. Yeah, especially a, a, a team with high-risk passers that also have a uh, a pretty unstable rotation. I wanted to get into this because at the beginning of the season, you know, we – 
we'd signed Nick Young, we'd signed Omri Caspi, you know, we had we'd brought in Jordan Bell, you know, we we had thought that th- these three guys, you know, they were the upgrades to James Michael McAdoo, Ian Clark, and Matt Barnes, and these guys are going to be staples of the rotation, and you know, these guys were the reasons why we had essentially cemented a seventy win season. At the beginning of the season, these dudes barely played. I mean, you know, Nick Young came in and dropped 20 points on that first night, which is great. But if you looked at his box score, like, sure, he dropped 20 points, but he was also like a minus 13 in the plus minus. You know, uh, Omri Caspi got hurt early on. And then Jordan Bell, you know, he started out really good. There's a lot of hype about him. There's that, you know, off the backboard, uh, passed himself with a dunk. You know, there's all this hype. But all of a sudden, you know, the, these dudes kind of fell out of the rotation for a long while. You know, Pat McCall kind of gained some steam. You know, Kevon Looney's getting playing time, which is crazy, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, you know, only in the past two games have we really seen Swaggy P and Omri Caspi really, you know, uh, demonstrate their value. So, you know, the, the whole rotation scheme has just been really out of whack. So I don't... I don't think that's like necessarily a bad thing. Um, I don't like, I know because we are a lot more limited last year. Like the, the depth is definitely significantly better than in years past. Like that has to be taken into account. Like just because there isn't a set rotation, I'm okay with that because of the personnel that's there. You know, you have Nick Young, you have, you know, Omri Caspi as, as new additions. But, like, it's a great problem to have when you have all these guys that you can change because it gives you so much roster flexibility. You need, you want a little bit more two-way play, you can put in Pat. You want more scoring, you can put in Swaggy. You know, Omri Caspi is, you know, he can do a little bit of everything. I mean, he's been really good for us. And then, like, Jay Bell also, you know, versatile defender, you know, can be a, a role man going to the basket. So, like... It just it gives us a lot of flexibility, and uh, I'm okay not having like a set rotation. I mean, Kerr is having to deactivate certain players, certain games, and just to keep everyone a shot. And it's not even just a matter of of you know keeping a set rotation because he can easily do that. But you're also leaving other players out. So I think it's good that Kerr is trying to get everyone worked and make sure that everyone's has an opportunity to kind of show what they can do. And in the meantime, you can try to based on the lineups and the matchups that you're facing, well, you can basically decide which guys you want to play, which guys you you don't need to play for this particular game. So it gives us a lot more flexibility because previously we don't have that. We didn't have that flexibility. So you had to go with a set roster, uh, like a set rotation on the second unit because you didn't have anybody else that you could really rely on. But now you have so many guys that you can rely on. So... Right. It's an embarrassment of riches. And, you know, Steve Kerr has spoken about this before. It's, you know, some of it is matchup driven. Some teams are faster than the others. Some are bruisers. And he has has mentioned before that it is a mental thing, right? If you're, you know, if you're constantly riding the pine, like, you know, like, if if Swaggy P got kind of pushed behind Pat McCall and not given a chance, guys like him who are your ultimate heat check guys are – are essentially going to check themselves out and put themselves out of game shape. So I, I get that. It makes sense that he does 
keep his 13 man rotation. Um, especially since a lot of these guys are, you know, under contract for, for several years. I, I think one of the most curious things is, you know, you, you brought up Jordan Bell, a, a very, very capable defender, a great on the pick and roll, very, very intelligent when it comes to playmaking. And yet, He's been deactivated the past couple of games. You know, he's been riding the pine or only playing garbage minutes. Uh, and his time's gone to Kevon Looney, who the Warriors haven't played in the past two years, and also elected not to offer him that uh, that team option, which which is really curious because, you know, the Warriors have essentially committed to not having him around next year. So if that's the case... You know, why are you playing him, you know, 15 minutes uh, against the Magic, 15 minutes against Sixers, uh, I think it was 13 minutes against Timberwolves, and some of these minutes are crunch time minutes. Yeah, I mean, he, I think Curve with these young guys is just taking the whoever's playing well that game approach. Like, Kevon's had some good games. You know, he definitely contributed uh, a couple of games. But like you're saying, there's no long-term plan for him. So, I mean, I just don't see a reason why you would pay him anything we couldn't even pay him his we didn't even want to pay him his his salary for next year which is just rookie scale because the salary basically the luxury tax um based on the salary would be ridiculous so i mean there i just don't see any reason why we keep him so it is a little odd that you know he's we're putting so much time into uh allowing kevon to play but i mean a scenario i think where with with kerr he's just looking at whoever can get him you know some minutes and whoever's playing well that day yeah, yeah, and Steve Kerr has said that Kevon, you know, he came in training camp 20 pounds lighter, and you could definitely tell he, he's moving on defense a lot better. He doesn't have those stone Donald Foyle hands anymore. He can actually catch passes. Uh, I, I would say he's not super assertive on offense. I, I still think Jordan Bell's better playing off the pick and roll, but yeah, you, you can definitely see his impact on defense. I mean, he went, I, I, would, I wouldn't say he went toe-to-toe with Embiid, but you know, for all the hype that Joel Embiid has, like, Joel Embiid should have been crushing it against, you know, uh, Kevon Looney. But I, I got to say, like, when I watched that game on Saturday, it felt like, you know, Joel Embiid struggled against this guy who's, you know, essentially a nobody and hasn't even played himself into a contract for next year. So th- there are some bright spots about Kevon Looney, and I, I, I think – if anything, Kerr's playing him kind of out of, you know, possibly out of the request of management, you know, build up the dude's trade value, and maybe you can trade him for some kind of second-round pick come trade deadline. Who yeah, knows? it would have to be something of that nature. I mean, you're really not asking anybody to take on, come on, because, I mean, you're you're, you're basically asking for someone – to who thinks that Kavon is they think they can build off of um, rather than taking a chance with like a second rounder or something you know so that's the the tough part uh, and, and I don't know how many teams really want to take a flyer on him but you know if if not then you just let him expire so it's not crazy but I mean it is something that we could potentially do um, at the deadline if they really wanted to shore up and make sure that he doesn't just walk away for free or something. But I just don't know um, who, because he, he would be also an expiring. So the team would have to see that there is a long-term benefit in keeping him. Otherwise, there's no reason to trade him for him. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> maybe some like Western Conference contender would just want to trade for him just just to have the Warriors playbook, you know? Yeah, like Kevon Lee. Yeah, he'll be the, he'll be the mole. 
<laughs> yeah. Inside man, like a like a Denzel Washington movie. You know, there, there's so many other storylines about the Warriors. You know, Clay Thompson's insane shooting percentages. Uh, Steph Curry's imp- improved defense. I, I thought he played very well um, recently, uh, especially against Jimmy Butler. You know, that was one of the things I noticed where in, in that Minnesota Timberwolves game, there was a lot of switches where Jimmy Butler was trying to post him up. And I got to say, Steph held his ground, man. I mean, Steph's... Steph's definitely improved, and I, I don't know if it's kind of the fact that he doesn't have to try so hard on offense because he's got you know he's got a better version of Clay and Kevin Durant, but you know he he's not getting burned like he used to. Yeah, I mean he's he actually has you know I always thought that the Steph was a bad defender thing was always a little overblown. Like I never thought he was like this. I mean, he's not like a Isaiah Thomas or like you know any of these other, like Jose Calderon or something like that. You know, it's just like you, you mean you mean any point guard that the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah, have. He's not. He's no D-, D Rose. You know, but like seriously, like I never thought he was a, like a horrible defender. I mean, he's the worst one like out of the big four. He's you know, you know, he's probably still like an average defender. Like you know, I I wouldn't even really call him a minus. And I think he has been a lot smarter this year about. His defense, and then also, I think he bulked up a little bit too. You can kind of see his arms are a little bigger. Not that I'm looking, <laughs> dude. We can't joke about okay, that shit anymore, about dude. <laughs> I'm gonna so have to cut that out. Do, what do we need to talk about? Steph's D, because I wasn't looking at D. Yeah, his hey, his big D. Bro. Yeah, his big his D. Big D. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's keep it to that, okay? Yeah, that, definitely, it, it's it's improved, and I, I think that was kind of one of the things that if he wanted to become, you know, this. A, a better player and if he wanted to provide a better impact for the team you know he he couldn't be that liability anymore right he couldn't be the guy that Kyrie torched during during crunch time because yeah like in, in 2000 in the 2016 finals like Kyrie was destroying him and you know that that's definitely got to stick with him so um, more power to him for you know Stepping up his D and, you know, obviously his offensive game is always going to be spectacular. So let, let, let's move on to kind of some of the other teams. I mean, for all the excitement that had happened over the summer, all the big trades, I got to say some of these teams have disappointed. Let's start with the Cavaliers um, sitting at a sub 500, you know, had to summon some epic comeback against the against the Knicks, who granted are a good team or good team record wise. But Man, who would have thought? I mean, even without Isaiah, who would have thought they'd be so bad? The biggest problem is the effort level. Like, I feel like they just, I just feel like they don't try very hard. And I think it's just like, you know, even the other day, like against the Knicks, when when LeBron is like, you know what, hey, you know, I'm going to go ahead and just start trying because this is just a random game that I want to make interesting for myself, then they can get the win. And then, you know, obviously help that Kyle Corver got hot. But I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like these guys, if they just decide that they want to like put together a couple of good games, they can, but you know, it's just, I just feel like a lot of times like LeBron just doesn't care. Like it's just so hard to care about. You know, this early in the season, I feel like. And you just see him, like, people just beating him off the dribble. He's not even making an effort. He doesn't even care. He's like, whatever. Like, it's like, nah. <laughs> no, it is. It's like how I play defense. There's so many clips of him just standing there. Literally. And guys just blowing guy. He's not even making, he's not even in a defensive stance. 
you know, and it's, he's not even trying on defense. And then when he wants to, he just goes and gets a chase down block. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, like, he, he, he's a highlight defender, not a, not a legit defender. Yeah, exactly. But like, it's just one of those things. He can't sustain it because it's, he's too old. Like he, he needs to do so much on offense and he just not, doesn't have the energy level to play both ends anymore. Yeah. For 48 minutes. Yeah. And he also has to play 40-something minutes every night, which is another ridiculous. Yeah, he's averaging something like 38, and the, which is insane considering, like, a lot of these games have been blowouts where they've they've been on the losing end of them. So in games that matter, he's probably pulling, like you said, a, a hefty, you know, 40, 41-minute kind of game, which, you know, a, a 32-year-old with, you know, 15 seasons under his belt, he shouldn't be doing. That being said, his offensive stats have been ridiculous. I mean, he's like, what, like averaging something along the lines of, you know, 27, you know, nine boards and eight eight assists or something crazy. So I'm kind of feeling the same way that, you know, it, it is early in the season. LeBron kind of doesn't care too much. I don't know. I, I still think they, they'll get their stuff together and, you know, still be a top four seed in the East. I, mean, I just don't see a lot of the teams holding up. Um, and then once those guys kind of get in the groove and if IT comes back, then, you know, I think they'll still get into the top four. Now, I don't think they'll be number one anymore, but it doesn't matter. Like, they've shown that it doesn't really matter to these guys. They just need to get into the playoffs, like, as a top four seed, and they should be. Yeah, home home court really doesn't matter to those guys, I, I think, especially in the Eastern Conference. Um, mo- moving on to the topic of another uh, – Disappointing team, another sub-500 team. The Oklahoma City Thunder, who currently have the second-best defense in the NBA, and yet for a while were sitting on a 4-7 and seven record, and then had to call a closed-door players-only team meeting. Now, for you listeners that, that may remember, I called an over-under of 10 games before there was locker room discord in the Oklahoma City Thunder. So uh, well, close it was yeah. What was it? Eleven? So you were eleven. Well so that, so that's the other thing is is what do you like how do you define that, right? Because they just were I don't know if there was discord other than just Yeah, they suck. They just couldn't they can't get it together the first ten games. They just didn't know how to really play together. And I wonder how much of that is, you know, like Billy Donovan and stuff. I mean, I think a lot of that has to go to him and the system that he's put into place. Because it's like, are we certain that after like 10 plus games now, you know, still small sample size, but, you know, enough to kind of see some trends and stuff like that. It's just like, is the team better with just like... Just Russ and a bunch of shitty players? Yeah, Russ and a bunch of shooters and maybe not like... Because if you're not going to utilize George, like, in a like you know, with him on the ball or, like, you know, playing in the second unit and stuff like that, I just don't know how uh, a lot of that is really going to work. It's just – it just hasn't seemed like it's worked so far. Yeah. So I wonder how much of that is just actual, like – Poor planning. Poor planning by – uh, the coaching staff. Yeah, you know? but I mean, you know, they're, they're doing something right on defense. I mean, they're the second best defensive team in the NBA, and they have Carmelo and Russ trying to play defense. I mean, that, and then, you know, granted, Andre Roberson, Stephen Adams, and Paul George are very good defenders. So maybe it has something to do with the their pace on offense that improves their defensive stats. I mean, I, I wish there was a way to, to better quantify these things, but, um, 
it, it's it's crazy that you know you you improve your roster by so much you pull you pull up highway robbery to get to get trades for Paul George and Carmelo Anthony and you improve your defense and yet on offense you're you're so you're still so terrible even though you really could just go down the floor and play Mike Brown offense you know pass the ball to your best player everybody clear out <laughs> classic yeah like I, I don't understand why they're you know that doesn't work, and maybe part of it is, you know, and I think you and I talked about this uh, last week, but Mello, you know, Carmelo Anthony is just a, such a high-volume shooter with with such low-percentage shots. I mean, he's like your, your long-range— well, You know who else is like that? Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, it's like they're just low—they're they're, low-efficiency, high-volume shooters, but— there's no way around that. You knew that was the case going in. Like these guys are just they don't have they don't have the efficiency that a lot of the other players have. Like Russ I don't think will ever be efficient. Not with the way he plays and he's not a good enough of a shooter to be efficient. And like Melo has no moves. You know, he just does the same thing all the time and it's just he's super predictable, so it's like it's easy to defend him. Yeah. Despite all the low percentage shots that, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder take, I mean, I don't understand how it's much different than last year when you had Rusty trying to do everything on offense. I mean, something definitely isn't clicking. And, you know, the, the mellow hater in me wants to see Oklahoma City fail, but uh, part of me still wants to see that team do well just so we have a an interesting uh, Western Conference playoff picture. So, um Moving on to the number one team in defense, uh, the Boston Celtics, who I thought were basically done 20 seconds or one minute and 20 seconds into the NBA season when Gordon Hayward suffered that horrific ankle injury. I didn't see this team, you know, ma- making a dent in the Eastern Conference. I, I thought that that basically parted the seas for LeBron to, to make it to another, you know, the eighth straight NBA Finals. Instead, Kyrie's been playing out of his mind. You know, the the Boston Celtics have been playing great defense. And, you know, granted, they are playing against some weaker talent. But, hey, 13 straight wins is no joke. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at their strength of schedule right now, and it just isn't very good. Like, near the bottom of the league in strength of schedule right now. Mm-hmm. So Right. They've beaten on a yeah. lot of kind of crap uh, Eastern Conference teams. But, yeah, you know, exactly. there was a couple of games where they probably should have lost and you know, they had a couple things go their way and, you know, a couple of clutch plays. Celtics, they just, I mean, they're really good. Um, obviously, Brad Stevens, great coach, you know, and they're really good and they're winning games. But um, they just haven't played a lot of tough teams and they play a lot of home games. So it's like all these things are contributing to their nice little win streak. But um, I would like to see how they would handle it if they would get into like a little slump, you know, which is most likely what would happen. Yeah, during a West Coast trip or something. Yeah, get into a couple games slump and see how they respond. Like basically like the Clippers right now where they're just like losing Six straight loss, yeah. Yeah. So it's like what happens if you get into a slump? Like how do you recover from that? You know, so because this team is really young. So that would be interesting to see too because I just don't – obviously they won't be able to sustain this pace and they already almost pissed away a couple of games. So yeah, they, they, they are, they have been surprisingly good, but you're right. They are fairly untested and they do have a very young starting lineup. I mean, I, I know Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum are both starting and they're, you know, first and second year players and, you know, Horf, I mean, Horford's your, 
your vet. Uh, I, th- I think one of the Morris brothers plays there. I mean, I know one yeah, of the Morris those brothers. Are, those are vets. But, I mean, you know, you're talking about two starters, and the Marcus Smart is like a third-year player, maybe fourth year. So, I mean, another young guy who's like in his early 20s. So you have a bunch of young guys. And Terry Rozier, scary Terry, is also on that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of young talent. So you, you think the Warriors uh, dominate them, or do you think it's a close game? No, it's on the road. Um, I think we'll win, but I don't think it'll be like a double. Di- I'd be surprised if it was a double digit win. I think we win that game, but part of it for uh, for the hopes of my money is that's a game that I'm okay if we dropped because it's the Eastern Conference. And oh yeah, I don't really mind about that either. Which will be a great test. I mean, like I said, most of our games have been at home or kind of on the West Coast. You know, they, they... we actually still have a really like our strength of schedule is actually has been. One of the Basically. toughest, you'd said. Yeah, one of the toughest. We're, we're number four right now in the strength of schedule. Because, I mean, we beat all these good teams. like Wolves, you know, Spurs, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Detroit, L.A., like all these teams we've already played. And then, like, even the next couple of games, they're tough, too. Like Boston and then followed by Philly. I mean, Brooklyn on a back-to-back. So, I mean, it's Brooklyn, but also it's on the back end of a back-to-back. And then Oklahoma City on win- the following Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah, so that's, like, that's a road trip. We can go two and two and easily. I, yeah, exactly. You can slip two and because those teams are good and you're playing on the road. And it's like, yeah. you know, I think Boston, you know, being that we have a couple of days off in this first game in the in that road trip, like I think we have a shot. But, you know, you start talking about like Brooklyn, which is like three games into the trip and then on the back end of a back-to-back, like you're just like, I don't know. And that's literally, that's the third game in four nights. What if the guys just run out of gas, you know? So it's like... Yeah, but that's one of the problems is uh, they're gunning for us, right? Like the, all the teams are gunning for us. And, you know, I feel like all teams play better when they're playing against us, which, you know, which is a challenge that the Warriors should take on. But at, at, on the by the same token, I think it, it could be very draining when all teams are playing at their highest levels against us. Um, but... Before we wrap this up, I want to take this uh, conversation in a completely different direction. Uh, let's talk some Lonzo Ball. We're, you know, well into the season. We've seen this kid play. He's recorded his first triple double. Is he is he legit, or do you think he's going to be a uh, another uh, Jeff Green? <laughs> what is that? Well, how did Jeff Green make it into this conversation? Hey, Jeff. Jeff Green taking like number two, number three yeah, overall. Wasn't he supposed to be like a triple double machine? Yeah, that of that. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's old. I could go into a whole hour about Jeff Green and the ridiculous non-factor he's been <laughs> uh, for his entire career, and that he'll continue to trick teams. But um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I watch a lot of Lakers. You know, living in SoCal, so you know, I watch a lot of Lonzo, um, and he. You know, it's it's always still really early for to count out a twenty year old kid, you know. And but I mean, there are legitimate problems with Lonzo Ball. Like there's legit shooting. problems. Yeah. Well, it's the shooting, obviously. Um, that one's very apparent and widely discussed. But another one is um, assertiveness. He, yeah. Well, the also he he can't finish at the basket very well. And he also has no floater in the lane. And I don't know how you're going to be a functional NBA point guard without a floater in the lane. Like, when he shoots a floater, it's like, I cringe. It's so ugly. He has no touch. 
Yeah. And it, that's it, what happens when he has around the basket too. It's just like when he goes drives in, it's just like he just throws it off the backboard. Yeah, it, especially especially a pick and roll player, right? Like a pick and roll player has to be able to do two things, you know, uh, pass or shoot off the dribble, right? It's you know he he can't pull up off the screen. He he can't take it hard at the hole and finish. The only thing he's good at doing is you know passing passing to the roller, but if, if teams know that he can't shoot or can't finish, they sag off him and make that pass just infinitely harder for him to do. Exactly. So They adjust the defense because of his lack of scoring, so they just play the defense on the pass. So you'll see guys ducking under screens, and with his slow shooting mechanics, like you can duck under the screen, and you can probably still recover and challenge the shot because he shoots so slow, so it's like Guys are just like, why am I even bothering fighting over the screen for yeah. half of these? We'll just duck yeah. under. Um, and if and you, recover. Even if, yeah. And it's just like, we'll dare him to shoot. And if we do fight over the screen, I'm not worried either because he can't finish in the lane. So, because there's so many times where you watch guys like Steph and uh, even like Mike Conley and these guys where they just take a, a pick and roll near the top of the key. And then you have the guy that's riding you um, across that screen and you just, you have kind of an open lane. Then you just get into like the 15 foot area, and the guys like kind of trailing behind you. You just throw up a little floater in the lane, and if you can make that, like that's easy two points. And all the good point guards have it. But even he's 20, so but he just hasn't shown that he has a touch so far in you know 14, 15 games. But um, yeah, yeah, his shooting like shooting mechanics are always a concern, and I I feel like it's one of those things that. You know, difficult to change. Despite those shortcomings, he can still affect games a lot. Like, he's a good rebounder for his position. Uh, he's a good help defender. Yeah, he's like, got he's, length. He's yeah. got good foot speed, but he's got good, like, length and, like, good anticipation. So he's been getting, like, a decent amount of blocks a game. From what I've seen, the eye test is telling me he can – I think he can be a, a, a good defender, Um, you know, once he cleans up some of this stuff. But, I mean – Right now, it's he still does a lot, and for a twenty-year-old, it's you know that's still really good. So it's just you know kind of see what's to come. But I mean, he's definitely you know has a lot of work to do um, because I mean, comparatively, like what I what what I would like to what I usually try to like think of it as too is think of another first-year player like Ben Simmons, and Simmons is just infinitely better than Ballas. Yeah, Simmons is awesome. Yeah, yeah Simmons. he's way better. Like, and he doesn't even have a legit jump shot, but he he has other tools like that allow him to like get to the basket. And he has way better touch than Lonzo around the basket, and he can shoot within like ten feet. You know, just get in the lane and do a little shot, and he can make that. He just doesn't have like outside range. Yeah, Simmons. You know, Simmons is awesome. I remember watching him that in that Warrior game where he's you know he's got great size, great handles, great speed, and he's got kind of that herky jerky like Antoine Jameson floater. Yeah, you know, that's what I mean. And yeah. if you have that, you can, you're already way ahead of the curve. Like, because yeah. Lonzo just doesn't have that. Yeah. But, like, Ben Simmons he can play pick and roll a lot better because um, he has that shot in the lane. And he can dunk in, in traffic um, or he can get to the basket in traffic for the size. I mean, obviously, he's bigger than Lonzo is. But, you know, he's also, like, a point guard-type player. And he's just way more advanced than Lonzo is right now. The skill level, I just don't think is the same. Like, I just think Simmons is way more developed than than yeah. Lonzo is. Yeah. 
Definitely. Great catching up with you, James. I know you're uh, you're headed for the uh, the Orient, so it'll be a while before we're able to catch up again. That's racist. <laughs> Amen. All right, man. You take care. All right, brother. See ya.